The Claire Trevor School of the Arts has many dance, drama, music, and studio arts performances throughout the school year on the campus of UC Irvine. Events range from student ensembles to master classes given by professionals throughout the year that are open to the public. For more information on events and ticket prices, visit www.arts.uci.edu. You're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. I'm Janine. This is Get the Funk Out. I hope no one's in a funk this Monday morning. All right, I was a little in a funk. Did not like that time change. Who's with me? Ugh, brutal. All right, coming up next, Dr. Stephen Tucker, conductor of the UCI Symphony. He's also an associate professor of the Claire Trevor School of the Arts, joining me. Good morning, Dr. Tucker. How are you? I'm just fine. Good morning, Janine. Thank you so much for calling in. I'm glad we could make this work. Uh, no problem at all. None whatsoever. Tell me uh, about your background leading up to you having this position at UCI. Oh, well, let's see. Where do I start? <laughs> I, I, I grew up in Jamaica until I was about 18. Mm-hmm. I studied music at the Jamaica School of Music with my twin brother, and who is also a professional musician now. Oh, beautiful. Um, then we moved to New York City, and then we parted ways. He became a professional pilot, and I decided to stay with music, and then he came back to music later. But I went to school in Massachusetts, then went to school at the Vienna Conservatory, and then UCLA. And in between all of those things, did conducting here and there, had several orchestras, professional and youth, and did guest conducting in different places. So that's the quick story leading up to UCI. I came to UCI in 2000. 2000. Yeah. That's quite an impressive education. Well, um, you know, most people get, you know, varied degrees of education, but in different places. I was fortunate I was able to go overseas and get some. So. No, that's great. Yeah. Now, did you always know that music was your passion? Uh, if you hear my mother and my sisters tell it, there was no question in their minds, because <laughs> as early as they can remember us, we were doing something musical, uh, just the two of us. And I think at some point in life, I knew I wanted to do this, but I, I wouldn't say I always thought I'd be in music. Mm-hmm. There were so many other things I was interested in, but this was by far the strongest and how did you choose to become a conductor? Because I can see having an interest in music, but that's a very specific thing. Was there a mentor or somebody that influenced you? Yes, that, that's, that's an excellent question, because I, where I grew up, there was, there was just no likelihood that you could even imagine as a child that you could be a conductor, because mm-hmm. <laughs> they didn't even have a very good orchestra. Okay. You know? So it's just because I was exposed to music at a higher level by my my teachers, mentors. I had a particular teacher who had just come back from Boston University to teach at the Jamaica School of Music, and I had my first conducting class with him. And he looked me looked at me once out of 18 students in the class, and he said, you can be a conductor if you want to. Wow. Which was exciting to me because I always liked putting things together. I liked the process of putting the music together, not so much the performance, but the process. So, I see. So that was in the back of my mind, yes. Isn't it interesting to see where music has gone? Because now you've got Cool Edit Pro, and you put things on tracks, and you're mixing. And... <laughs> yeah, yeah. 
it's um, but it's still it serves the the, the greater good the, the eventual usage is what we look for the process is just it changes mm-hmm. quite a bit but i think in the long run we're all still trying to achieve the highest level of production we can get whether it's in live music or it's in synthetic or synthesized or recorded music it's um it's the same you know That's great. Same kind of, yeah. yeah now you've been here 14 years as a conductor correct Tell me about some of the highlights of those experiences. That's a long time. Well, yeah, I I will tell you this. Probably the greatest highlight of my life with this orchestra, and maybe it's because it's just fresh in my mind, is Mm -hmm. just finishing the six performances of Aaron Copeland's Billy the Kid with the Dance Department and the UCI Symphony. I think the orchestra uh, really made things exciting. I had a variety of teachers on, uh, Molly Sims, uh, mm-hmm. a few others who were involved in that production on, and they got to talk about it, so it was really great. Yes, yes. Well, that's good, because we had a wonderful time. Now, we've had other things. We've brought international artists to play with the orchestra. Uh, we've even had international people come and conduct the orchestra. But, so, it's it's always this exciting moving towards training our students and getting them exposed to the world of music. And so I, my exciting times come as I do specific things, and they change. So, yes. yeah. Let me ask you this. The theme of the show is Get the Funk Out. So people go through all kinds of different ups and downs, obviously, in life. Right. Do you have a, did you have a time in your life where you went through a career funk or, and, you know, maybe advice for for people that are going through similar situations? Oh, absolutely. Uh, I don't think any professional artist, let's deal with artists for now, mm-hmm. ever goes through life and not feel there are periods of times of doubt or times when you feel it's, it's a little too much for you. Uh, I was listening to something last night by uh, Simon Rattle, mm-hmm. the music director of the Berlin Philharmonic, and Simon said, we all fall into two categories. There are some people who are just always excited, always elated, and there are people who always have doubts. And he said, he falls into the always having doubts. Look at that, and you probably never would have imagined anything like that. Never, could never imagine that somebody who's at the top of the world would ever say that, because everybody thinks he's probably the most successful conductor in the world right now. Yes, I've had that. I've had uh, occasions where I was told I had no business in music, of course. Um, They turned, those people ate their words. Yes, But but it, it becomes... It becomes very depressing mm-hmm. when you hear somebody say that, and and you know that. Well, let's put it this way: you think they should know. You do. And so you listen to them, and then it takes other people affirming your potential to actually help you come out of that. So what I tell people most of the time is, don't always assume that because somebody is in a position and they have a platform that they actually know everything about where you're going and how you'll get there. It it requires some sort of self, 
self-confidence, let's just put it that way, and you need to surround yourself with people who are honest and knowledgeable, but who also are there to help you figure out where you're going. And they'll be honest. If you're not right. supposed to be doing it, they'll tell you. Yes. But most of the times, they will show you ways of making it work. It's, so, because, it's great advice because it's very easy to get so down on yourself, and it's pretty much like you need a team of people, your team behind you to support you. Absolutely, absolutely. And uh, I certainly always hope that I provide that to my students, although I, I beat them up quite a bit. And <laughs> I think they, I hope they know, as I tell them, that when they leave, they'll remember that I was their best friend <laughs> because yes. I tell them what I think they need to know. And I'm never afraid to encourage them if they ask. But that's, of course, not the first thing I do. The first thing I do is try to fix them. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Well, you know, sometimes, as you say, you know, brutally honest. And yeah. and I, I've had some very tough teachers, whether it's high school, college, and they were some of the best. And at the time, I might not have thought so. Right, right. But, you know. We, we all have had those. Um, the same teacher who got me interested in conducting, uh, there were periods of time when I hated him and told him so, especially yes. after we became adults and colleagues. I mean, I told him how much I disliked being around him, but I valued what he gave me. Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you see the movie Whiplash by any chance? Whiplash. Whiplash. You might know. No, no, no. That's the drummer thing? Yes, yes. No, I didn't. Oh, you'll I have didn't. to Sorry. see that. I, I've been listening to too many of my friends who like it or dislike it, and uh, I haven't gotten around to Don't seeing it. Don't listen. I, know, I always feel like I tend to go with what people say, but I like to form my own opinion. It's right. a, it's an excellent movie. I, I should see it. Then. Yeah, it's yeah. an excellent movie. Yeah. So there's an event coming up, uh, the Symphony Orchestra Concert, American Renaissance. Correct. Uh, this is, you know, in, in speaking quickly of the American Renaissance situation, I didn't try to tie it to the specific Renaissances because, you know, America had its, its Renaissance in art. As a matter of fact, we had several, but we also had the Harlem Renaissance. Right? Mm -hmm. And so what I chose to do was to combine two composers who I think signify and really really propelled American music to a, a wider audience around the world. Aaron Copeland, who uses traditional classical training and structure, like most of them do for the symphonic work, but incorporating folk and some you know, minor jazz things into his writing, but offering the sound of the American landscape. When people hear it, they say, oh, it's so open, it's almost like you're on the prairie. Mm -hmm. And he made his life proposing that we focus on that as American composers. So much so that most American composers call him the dean of American composers. Really? Yes. Wow. And then on the other hand, we have William Grant Still, who is called the dean of African American composers. His first symphony is called the Afro-American Symphony, where he uses blues 
and all sorts of other jazz things because he always felt like those things needed to be incorporated in, into standard classical structure. And his composition, the, American, the Afro-American Symphony, became so popular that at one point during his life, no other composer had the amount of playing time that he had for this work. Oh, interesting. Internationally, not just in America. Uh, and so... It's it's fun to put these two composers on the same program. Mm. And then in the middle, we have Mendelssohn, poor Mendelssohn, not American, but he's there because we have a concerto competition. Oh, I see. And the winner is a student, of course, mm-hmm. and the student plays whatever they won the competition with. And so we have a wonderful young violinist or associate concertmaster who is playing the Mendelssohn Violin Concerto on this program. You know, I'm curious, where are some of the students coming from that are just part of your program? Some have been, you know, some of the highlights of the program. Sure. Uh, I think we get, for our music program, we get the majority of our outstanding students come from Northern California. And then we have some San Diego students. Of course, we have the more local students. But I've found that those are fewer than from Northern California. And there's a simple explanation for that. I mean, if you recall, when you were getting ready to go to college, you didn't want to be at home. Yes. So (laughs) students from Irvine or Orange County don't want to be here. And L.A. is still too close. Yes. So they go all the way up to Northern California, and and the Northern California students reciprocate. They don't want to stay home, so they come down here. Yeah. Well, it's it's not like it's going to the East Coast. It's close enough. Right, right, right. So that, that's basically where we get most of our students. That's wonderful. What are some uh, other exciting things that will be coming up uh, after this event? Oh, boy. You need me to think, don't you? I'm oh. sorry. Uh, no, it's okay. <laughs> um, we, we, after this concert, mm-hmm. of course, they have exams, so I don't see them for a couple of weeks. And then we have uh, another concert. Our final concert is actually in June. But before that, we are doing... A little, a special performance for the community at one of the large churches here in Newport. We're going to have the students, the vocal students, singing excerpts from Mozart's oh, Marriage of Figaro, along with the orchestra. For that church community, we're doing that. It's really to allow the singers to get a chance to sing with orchestra um, a little more than they do. That sounds like a very unique event. Well, it should be. I don't know how unique, but for us, mm-hmm. it certainly is a change. Um, we don't get enough opportunities to expose our vocal students to orchestral accompaniment. So we're trying. We're working hard to try to get that going. And, you know, first and foremost, they are students, so mm-hmm. we have to create training opportunities for them. So, so we're we're trying hard to do that. Now, for somebody listening who has thought about going into this area at right. UCI, what are some attributes you think that would be good for them to have? Or oh, the students should have. Yes. Uh, most of all, I think you need to have a clear idea of what the limitations are, what you have not been exposed to. And I tell students, for example, one of my colleagues will tell students when they're auditioning, if you have never had piano at all, any piano training, 
get some during the summer or sometime before you come to school because you're going to need it as a music student. In order to graduate, you must pass a proficiency exam in piano. I think most of the students who are not pianists need to hear that more than anything else in the world because almost anything else they can catch up on very quickly, the theory, the history, all that stuff. Um, And obviously they would have been playing some instrument before coming. But most of them, the singers, the violinists, they don't always have a knowledge of basic piano. That's great advice because they need to have the prerequisite before they step in the door. Absolutely. You know? If people wanted to get in touch with you, do you have an email you give out, if you don't mind? Or I don't mind. Okay. Um, it's pretty simple, and I've had it for decades, because I used to teach at Riverside, and then I went to UCLA to do doctoral work. Okay. Stucker at UCI. Stucker. S-T-U-C-K-E-R <laughs> <S-T-U-C-K-E-R laughs> at UCI.edu. It's pretty simple. That's easy. And, yeah. And we, of course, we look forward to meeting all the the people who come to the orchestra's concerts, I speak with the audience or those who are interested in coming in an hour early. I speak with them oh, for about nice. half an hour. I mean, it's just a, an intimate talk about some of the things that motivate me to program the way I program. And, of course, there are parents who yes. come in from far away and they want to know, they want to ask questions like, you know, how do you do this for the students? And, of course, mm-hmm. you know what they're asking is, how's my student behaving? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and you have to act like, well, they're here. You go talk to them. Ask them. Yes. <laughs> you know? But yes. it's a good opportunity to engage with the audience. That's fantastic. Right. I just want to throw out the information on the event. Uh, the UCI Symphony Orchestra Concert, American Renaissance, featuring the winner of the 2015 Concerto Competition. And I'm probably not going to pronounce his name correctly. Is it Jai Wan No? It's actually pretty simple. It's J. 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 Wan No. J. Wan No right? on yeah. violin. It's this Friday at 8 o'clock at the Irvine Barclay Theater. And tickets are on the website, which is www.arts.uci.edu. And there's sure. a link on my blog, which is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. Oh, that's great. great. Any last parting words before we wrap up, Dr. Tucker? Yes, in the spirit of your show yes. and the title of your show, this concert will get the funk out in more ways than one. Perfect. <laughs> if you're in a, in a funk, it will certainly get you out of it. Yes. And when you listen to this still, for all four movements of the Afro-American Symphony, you will feel the funk. (laughs) You know, it's interesting. I find, I love music, and I find that it puts me in a trance-like state sometimes, and you sometimes can find answers to things you're dealing with, you know, ironically. You put yourself out there. You never know who you're going to meet. You don't know what how you're going to feel. Right. So I love the idea of going to music, especially here on the UCI campus. Absolutely. And um, thank you so much for, for um, chatting with me, Janine. Oh, thank you for taking the time to call in. I know you're very busy. No problem at all. All right. I look Thanks. forward to meeting you sometime. Perfect. Thank all you, right. Dr. Tucker. Take care. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye. That was Dr. Stephen Tucker calling in, and he is... In his 14th year here as a conductor of the UCI Symphony, and as I mentioned, they do have an event coming up this Friday, the UCI Symphony Orchestra Concert, American Renaissance, uh, Friday, 8 o'clock, Irvine Barclay Theater, and tickets are, should still be available at www.arts.org. Uh, 
Yes, arts.uci.edu. And there is a link on my blog, which again is getthefunkoutshow.kuci.org. And that's a wrap for my show today. We'll listen to one more song, and then Sheldon is going to stand by and take over for Cure for the Blues. And I'll be back here next Monday. If you want to find out about being a guest on my show, it's really easy. Just send me an email. It's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. That's J-A-N-E-A-N-E at KUCI.org. Have a great Monday, everybody, and get the funk out. (laughs) 